Let's continue worshiping this Jesus we've been singing about. Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel, fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will be looking at chapter 5, looking in particular at the third sign that John records for us that Jesus performed. John calls them signs, they're miracles, but uh, he calls them signs for various and obvious reasons. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first sign where Jesus turned the water into wine. Not only does Jesus fulfill the Old Testament law for us, but he transforms us and gives us an exhilarating joy in our, in our souls from being with him. Last week, we saw that he told a religious authority, or a royal authority, I should say, to go. His son would be well, and the royal leader wanted Jesus to come with him. And we saw that true healing comes. The sign was that true healing comes when we take Jesus at his word, when we really do believe in our guts that what he says is right. That's where healing is. And so that was last week. This week, we're going to take it a step further and see what Jesus did to a guy who had been uh, disabled for a long, long time, and what that sign points to about himself. And I hope that you'll be as intrigued as I have been as I've been diving into it this week. So hopefully you're there in John 5. Let me invite you to stand with me, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. 1 through 16 of John chapter 5. The Holy Spirit inspired John to record this for us. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you were well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Father, open our eyes so that we may behold wonderful things from your law. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And may you do that soul-transforming spiritual surgery that only you can do. Continue to fix us to where we look more like your son Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Every week in my inbox, I get an article written by a leadership consultant 
The guy's name is Stephen Mansfield, and every week he writes a Leading Thoughts article, and I like what he has to say, and so I have it sent straight to my inbox so I don't have to go searching for it. And this past week, he, in, in the article that he sent, he was ranting about a group of people that he sees all over. He says he sees hundreds and thousands, if not millions of these people all over the country. And he's diagnosed them with a, what he's made up a, a sickness for them. He calls it PDS, P-D-S. And they're, 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 they look kind of like negative Nancy. If you've ever heard of or seen or been around a negative Nancy, kind of like her. Nothing goes right right? There's, they could, there's so much potential for these people. There's, they, could, they, could, they could live life to the fullest. They could influence the world around them. They could, they could influence those closest to them, but they choose to make excuses for their life instead of owning up to it. He defines PDS as this, perpetual dissatisfied syndrome. Perpetual dissatisfied syndrome. And I read that, and I'm thinking, I know some people like that. They're, they're, they're satisfied with being dissatisfied. Every time you ask them something, it's always somebody else's fault. It's always something else going on. They love the drama. You know anybody like that? They love the drama, and they're, and they're just content with being dissatisfied, and you're like, well, if you would do, but no, it's not somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's issue. It's somebody else's problem, and it's almost like they're comfortable being in that situation, not wanting to change anything, because if anything changed, then they'd have to be accountable for themselves, and they really don't want to do that. It's much easier to blame somebody else or to have excuses perpetual dissatisfied syndrome i would ask you to raise your hand but don't do you know somebody like that <laughs> that's right that's right it's true today it was true in the new testament has it ever bothered you that jesus asks this man do you want to be well? <laughs> that bothers me. That's walk up to a, we guess, a paraplegic and say, Do you want to get better? That's crazy talk. Or is it? I wonder if he had perpetual dissatisfied syndrome. John tells us that Jesus walked into Jerusalem during a festival. This is right after the second sign. He had passed through from Samaria going to Cana. Now he's heading to Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, because there was a festival. We don't know what festival it was. We just know there was one, which tells us what? There was a lot of people in Jerusalem celebrating this festival, whichever one it was. John's not really concerned with the festival except letting us know there is one. There's a lot of people in Jerusalem. John's attention wants, John wants our attention to go somewhere else, and that's at a pool in Bethesda, a pool that had colonnades all around it, which seems kind of nice to us today. You see a picture of it there. A colonnade is basically columns with a roof over it. So if you got hot, didn't want to get sunburned, forgot your sunscreen, you could go sit under the porch, sit under the colonnade, and just sit and relax and just look at the water. Well, John also tells us that this, this particular pool of Bethesda had a lot of disabled 
A lot of invalids, a lot of paralyzed, a lot of paraplegics, if you will, sitting by the pool. You say, well, why would they sit by the pool? Well, I don't know if your Bible does it, but my Bible jumps from verse 3 to verse 5. Does yours? Okay, this is the audience participation portion of our program. Does your Bible go from verse 3 to verse 5, or does it include 4? Some of you have 4, some of you have 3 to 5. Some of you have a footnote after 3 or before 5. And if you don't have 4 in your Bible, I hope you have a footnote. If you don't have a footnote, get a new Bible. (laughs) Because, see, what verse 4 is going to tell you is that the reason the invalid stayed at the pool is because it was believed that every now and then angels or spirits would stir up the water. And we would call that wind. But they would believe that angels or spirits would stir up the water. And it was believed that whoever was the first to get in the water once the angels stirred it up would be healed. That was the myth, if you will. That was the belief. Earliest manuscripts don't record that. They just kind of included it later to tell us, okay, this just kind of helps make the story make sense. It's not essential in understanding the point of the story, but if you're wondering where verse verse 4 is, don't panic. You don't have a heretical Bible. You say, well, why doesn't it just go to verse 3 to verse 4 in my Bible instead of others? Well, then everybody would be confused and not want to know what verse I'm on. And so they try to keep it normal. I I don't know. Okay, anyway, I just know I'm going to get 100 million questions, so I felt like I needed to say something about that. So Jesus goes to this pool where there's tons of, of invalids around the pool waiting for the angels to stir it up. And Jesus goes to the most extreme guy. You say, well, how do you know? He's got to be at least one of the most extreme cases. How long had he been paralyzed? 38 years. Does that mean he was 38 years old and he was paralyzed from birth? I don't know. Does that mean he, 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 he grew up and then was paralyzed? I don't know, but he had been paralyzed a long time. Even John tells us that Jesus knew he had been at the pool for a long time. Jesus walks up to this one. He could have gone to a host of different other ones, but he walks up to this one and then he asks the question, do you want to get well? so weird to me I think he had perpetual perpetual dissatisfied syndrome you know why because if we were reading this just straight through one clue is this at the end of John chapter 4 John tells us that word had gotten out about Jesus and everybody's rushing up to Jesus and wanting to get a piece of the action and wanting to see see him do another magic show wanting to see him do another healing and of course word had gotten to Jerusalem but you read the first few verses of John 5 he walks into this pool area where there's tons of sick people you would think they'd be screaming heal me heal me come heal me but you don't see that but there's a second clue Jesus says do you want to get well I'm expecting him to say are you crazy yes heal me but what do we see an excuse I've tried sir But every time the water gets stirred up, someone beats me to the pool. It's not my fault. The angels don't come at the right time to stir up the water. It's not my fault. The length between where I am and the pool is so far, I can't crawl there fast enough. It's not my fault. My mat gets kind of bunchy. 
It's not my fault. There are other people that are a lot quicker to the pool than I am. It's not my fault. Jesus didn't ask that. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Could it be that this guy was so used to his present circumstance that the, the thought of him actually getting well might bring accountability? That the thought of him actually being well might bring some responsibility? Sure, he wanted to walk. Sure, he wanted to be able to run around. But he was used to his circumstance. He had never had to get a job. He didn't have to work. He had never had to get in a fight with his wife. He never got married. He had, he, had, he had never had to be responsible for his actions, never had to be held accountable. You know what he did all day? Sit by a pool and get money. And every time somebody said, can I help you? He said, I can't get to the pool fast enough. It's amazing what excuses we come up with when we really just don't want to change our circumstances. It's a lot easier to breathe, live into the drama, isn't it? <laughs> you don't know anybody like that, do you? Do you want to get well, sir? Well, yeah, but I don't know if I want to change how things are right now because this is comfortable. I know this. This is easy. If I get well, I'm going to have a new normal. If this fix, if I'm fixed, something's going to have to change, and it may not be as comfortable or as expected as I'm used to here. Do you want to get well? Because if you get well, there's going to be a change. And I wonder how many times Jesus looks at us and says, do you want to get well? And we're thinking, oh, it's that. It's that person. It's that. Do you know anybody like that? that my spouse is the worst. My boss is the worst. My coworkers are the worst. You wouldn't imagine my situation. I know you hadn't had my situation. It's awful. My food is cold. The delivery boy was late. My mortgage company's unfair. My car doesn't work right. Can you believe what they did to me? And you just want to say, would you step up? The fact of the matter is, when we peel back the layers of our own heart, we're like, oh, there are situations in my life where I really do want healing accept the new normal that comes with it. It's interesting to me that before this guy could finish his excuse, Jesus heals him. <laughs> Did you notice? He never, he, never says, he never says, sure, heal me. And Jesus said, okay, pow. It says, I can't get to the water in time. Jesus says, get up, take your mat and go. You know why? You know why this is so fascinating to me? Well, a host of levels, but because I don't know if the question was just for the paraplegic, if, if not, the question was also for the, those that were watching. Because there were some people watching who were trying to catch Jesus, didn't like Jesus, were skeptical about Jesus, the religious leaders of the day. And you just know they were watching in the stink out of Jesus. 
don't know. I can just imagine. And Jesus said, get up. And then he said, take up your mat and walk. And you and I would think, oh, that's incredible. But it was the wrong day to do that. It was Sunday or Saturday, whatever you, the Sabbath. And you don't do that on the Sabbath. One, you don't heal anybody because that's work. Two, you don't pay, take up your mat and walk because that's work. And the religious leaders are like, oh. who told you to take up your mat, boy? Perpetual dissatisfied syndrome. Because, see, the, the religious leaders knew that God said, do not rest on the Sabbath. And what the religious leaders would say, okay, God said, do not rest. So it's my job to bring you implications of that. So we're going to add this law and 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 this law. And what God gave us for freedom to enjoy him and remind ourselves who we are as children of God. All these religious leaders gave all these laws. And so the whole day on the Sabbath, you had to stress yourself out to make sure you didn't do anything to break the Sabbath. And so what was meant to bring freedom ended up being slavery. What was meant to set us free ended up being a burden. And Jesus said, get up, take your mat and walk. And here are the religious leaders seeing a supernatural miracle in their, in their presence. And they're like, oh, you picked up your mat. The guy had been paralyzed for 38 years. Oh, you picked up your mat. Y'all don't know any church people like that, do you? Perpetual dissatisfied syndrome. They get in a wad. I mean, my first response is, who could ever miss what Jesus is doing in their presence for the sake of their own rules? But I've been in church nine months before I was 40. I mean, nine months before I was born, and I'm 41, so I'm pushing 42 years in church. And you know, we can get in a wad. Let me ask you, what cranks your tractor more on Sunday morning? What gets you most angry on Sunday? When there are zero hymns? or zero baptisms because I hear all the time about the music but I don't ever hear it when this thing's dry what about you on Sunday morning would you rather see a supernatural work of the living God reforming a disabled spiritual soul or would you rather make sure everything goes your way on Sunday and that's what makes for a good lunch What are you more concerned with? What somebody's wearing on Sunday? Or are you more burdened that there aren't more people that don't look like you? I mean, what are we here for? Jesus, do it. Instead of, ah, that music's too loud. Good grief. Maybe there's somebody here Jesus is stirring up. And maybe you need to be on the lookout for that. Or 
Or maybe instead of getting in a wad about what's not happening or what is, should be happening at this church, you should be thinking, who can I bring along with me that perhaps Jesus wants to save? Isn't that the point? I'm trying. Perpetual dissatisfied syndrome. Do you want to get well? Be careful. Because what if there's a new normal here? What if there was a new normal in our midst? See, I love this sign because it's a twofer. You get two signs in one. Did you catch it? Jesus heals the man who had been an invalid for 38 years. He heals him. And then what does he say do? Take up your mat. I can't. It's Sunday. I can't. It's the Sabbath. I'm not supposed to do that. It's the Sabbath. You're healed. Take up your mat. I'm in charge now. I heal you and define who you are. I heal you and show you where to go. That's the sign. The sign is that when Jesus heals you, he heals you towards a new normal. When Jesus heals you, you don't have to worry about following a set of rules and being, and being stressed out by that. Your new normal is following him. You got to wonder if this invalid, God love him, you got to wonder if he was so hesitant because he's sitting there thinking, uh, you can heal me, Jesus, but I'm going to have to wait till Monday to get up. I ain't leaving my mat. I mean, think, that, was, that had to have been in his mind. You don't pick up your mat. That's work. And John tells us that the, that, the, that, that the pool was where? By what gate? Sheep gate. Thank you for the three of you that were paying attention when we read scriptures earlier. By the sheep gate. What was the sheep gate for? Y'all are sharp. They're sheep. But you know why they, why they brought sheep in constantly? Sacrifice. And I wonder if that invalid was just sitting there thinking, you can heal me, but I don't know if I want any part of this religious system. I don't know if I want it. And before he could get the excuse out, Jesus says, I'm calling you to a new system. Be healed, and you follow my voice. I wonder if Jesus is asking you, do you want to be well? And you're thinking, yeah, but I don't know. If I do that, then maybe Jesus is going to make it hard here or it's going to be difficult here. I like it more comfortable kind of where I am. Listen to me. When Jesus says, do you want to be well, not only does he heal, but he will go with you the next step. The enemy wants to think it's easier where it is, but you, what, what the truth of the gospel is, the sign is, not only does Jesus heal, but he renews your normal. I 
I love the fact that Jesus went and found him in the temple later. You know, all the religious leaders, who, 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 who told you to pick up your mat? I, I don't know. He took off right after you. They get up and take your mat. And Jesus went and found him. You do know, by the way, that sometimes when you don't know what to do, Jesus will come find you. He's not in a tomb somewhere. He's alive. And Jesus went and found him. You know what Jesus said to him, verse 14? Don't sin anymore. Something worse is going to happen to you. Now, you can take that one of two ways. A lot of, lot of denominations, a lot of institutions would say, if you sin one more time, that's it. Can you imagine the stress that would put on that guy if he took it that way? I mean, he had been a paraplegic for 38 years, thinking worse, we're thinking the judgment. If I sin one more time, <laughs> I'm toast. I mean, I'd be constantly, did I sin, did I sin, did I not sin, did I do enough good, did I, and I would just be constantly stressed. I don't think that's what Jesus meant. In the Bible, in particular John's gospel, when Jesus speaks of sin, he speaks of unbelief in him. You can, look for it. you can look at it yourself in John 16, verse 9. Jesus equates sin with being unbelief in him. So you know what I think Jesus is saying? Stop sinning. In other words, start believing in who I am. Start following me. Don't follow a set of rules. Follow me. I've come to fulfill those rules. I've come to make them enough for you. you, you I, I'm enough for you. Follow me. You want joy. You want peace. You want life. Come with me. Stop sinning. Start believing in who I am. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. Get up. Take up your mat. I transform the Sabbath. You follow me. That's what he calls us to. A whole new normal. That's the sign. I'm going to quit talking bad about my car on Sundays because I talked bad about my car this past Sunday and Friday my car died. <laughs> I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. 11.30 a.m. Friday morning in Cool Springs in the storm, literally, and I made it to a median. <laughs> Called the cops. Cops got a wrecker. I got towed to a car place. Saturday morning, phone rings. It's the car place. Here's what we're going to need to do, Mr. Pearson. So, I have a decision to make. Am I going to have the car fixed and pay a pretty big chunk, or am I going to finally say goodbye to the green machine and get a new one? Neither one looked very good to me because I know what I have in the bank. And so... I needed wisdom. I said, can I call you back? I called my dad. I told my dad the situation. And when something doesn't go well, here's how a Pearson responds. Mm. 
You watch an Auburn football game with me or my dad, and there's a fumble or another team scores. Mm. And so I told my dad the situation. Mm. And then he did something that I'm ashamed to say I didn't see coming. He said, um, why don't we pray real quick and ask Jesus to into this situation and help us? I'm the preacher here. And so I'm sure I act all spiritual. Yeah, yeah, sure, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, Dad, that's fine, whatever. He prayed. And we talked. And I had a peace about what was determined. Now, many of you are going to come up to me after say, what happened? Don't, don't worry, it's not the point of this story. I got it fixed, just so you... I just can't part with him. Here's the point. I'm sure I said to the Lord, help me. But I wonder if there's a part of me that didn't want to pause to really pray because I was afraid of what Jesus may do. My flesh wants a brand new car. There's a lot of things my flesh wants. But you know what I was reminded of after my dad said amen and we talked through it? There's a peace that I can't get anywhere else when Jesus leads us to the new normal. That's the point. Jesus says, get up. Take up your mat and walk. There's a renewed normal now. You follow me. Now I ask you, church, what is it that God's saying to you? Do you want to be well? No more excuses. I wonder if he's already provided the healing. What you need to trust now is he'll be with you in your new normal. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for the beauty of it. Thank you for the splendor of it. Thank you for the way it convicts. Thank you for the way it heals. And Spirit of God, I just trust now that even though we're all different, we're all the same in the fact that there are, we have that perpetual dissatisfied syndrome in some way, shape, form, or fashion with something in our life that we know you've already given us the ability to heal. You've already given the power. You've probably already shown ways that it can be healed. But Father, it's that, it's that do we get up moment. May we trust you that when you heal, you bring not, not an easier life, but a more fulfilled normal. May we believe and live pray this in Jesus' name.